But in the old day, can you imagine every single day having to go and hunt and kill and take your dinner? I couldn't imagine that. You know, there's still obviously parts of the world where animals are still crazy and they're out there catching food. Looked like my dog the other night who caught a rat in our house, went after it and chased it. And it was, it was a big, you know, decent-sized rat. And our, our golden retriever, he was not going to let it go this time. And so I missed the fight, but my son Micah saw the whole thing. And he, my dog, was victorious, just like that line in, the, in that video. But I showed that video because I want to think for a second about, and I want you to think if, if all the restaurants, sorry, this is kind of a weird thought, but if all the restaurants and if all the Stater Brothers and Walmarts, all the food places disappeared and we had to go back to a place where we had, if you wanted meat, if you had to go and hunt it down every day, that'd be crazy, right? If you wanted, if you wanted some filet mignon, you had to go get that cow and you had to butcher it up. Right? If you wanted a nice ham steak, you'd have to go get the pig and you'd have to um, take care of it. Could you imagine hunting every single day? And think about the preparation, you know, back in the old days. Most of us, you know, if we go to a, phase, a place that's fast, fresh food today, a lot of stuff gets pre-cooked, right, pre-made. So when you get there, you don't have to wait as long. Now, if you go to a fancy restaurant like the Tillos, right, where it's made fresh, where it's made fresh, you wait a little bit because you're cooking fresh ingredients. But the preparation, and even in a restaurant, what goes into preparing fresh, delicious, amazing food, imagine having to spend that time and energy just to find dinner, just to find food. I mean, every single day, how many of us, we probably at least snack every couple hours, right? Is that about average? Every two, three hours we're grabbing a snack. Think about if there was no snacks to be found and you had to plan, prepare, and hunt down what you were going to eat. That'd be horrible, right? How good of eyesight would you need if you needed to hunt your prey? And how good of ears to listen to be able to know exactly where your prey was? And so this morning my diving board is, as we're looking at a, a lion that takes down a zebra, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 24, verse 37. And it says, when the Son of Man returns, it will be like it in Noah's day. And in those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets, parties, weddings, right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is how it will be when the Son of Man comes. Two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. So you too must keep watch for you do not know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time for the Son of Man will come when least expected. And so as Jesus breaks down a story and description of the future this morning. He says, when I come back, it's going to be similar to the days of Noah. And now, if you go back to Genesis and you look at in the days of Noah, God wasn't real pleased in the beginning at this point. In the days of Noah, it says that man's thoughts and imagination were evil all the time. And what's, what's really hard and what's really crazy to understand, it says that God's heart was broken, that he made people because people were so evil and they were so gross. Now, what I find interesting is when Jesus said in Matthew, when I come back, it's going to be like the days of Noah. He didn't talk about evil at that moment. But what did he talk about? He talked about fun stuff. He talked about 
banquets. How many of us like to go to banquets? He talked about parties and weddings. All good stuff. The description from Genesis to Matthew, God describing Genesis chapter 6, is the days were evil and gross, breaking God's heart. Jesus describing when he comes back in days of Noah, busyness. People going to banquets and eating and filling their stomachs. There's nothing wrong with that, right? God wants us to be full and satisfied with what we eat, going to parties and celebrating. It is nice to be celebrated. It is nice, right, on our birthdays. It is nice in Christmas. It is nice in life in general to go to a party and to be celebrated, to be celebrated as people. It's nice to celebrate one another in friendships. And then in weddings, Jesus said, and we know what happens at a wedding, two people get married, right? Two people get married, they make a covenant before God and each other, husband and a wife, Jesus describing fun, food, fellowship, celebration, marriage, all good things. But as Jesus paints this picture, as he's coming back a second time, people are busy and distracted. People being busy and distracted. And it says that they were so busy and distracted that they didn't even realize what was going on. They didn't realize what was happening. Didn't realize what was about to come. When Noah sat there and built a boat back in Genesis, no one had ever seen a man, you know, who probably had to clean the wood, he had to get it all ready, and who had to put this enormous boat together, larger than a football field, right? This thing was huge. No one at that time had ever seen anything like that. And so for a lot of people, as they walked by, they had no idea what was about to come. They might have asked Noah, but they probably thought he was, he was a little loony, a little crazy, right? They're like, what are you doing? What are you talking about water? We've never seen water. There's a little stream over here, a little river. That's the only water that I know. They could not wrap their head around what Noah was doing. They did not realize. And Jesus said at the end, people will not realize what God is about to do. So busy, so distracted. And Jesus paints the picture with good things, banquets, parties, weddings, all of which are great things, right? Job, money, success, life, busy, but so busy, unable to realize what God is about to do. And so Jesus goes on to say that two men are going to be working, but men, one man will disappear and the other man will be left behind. And then he says there's going to be two women who will be preparing stuff for home because that's what they do, right? <laughs> Just kidding. But back in the old days... Back in the old days, you know, the, the living styles were a little different back in the old days. So ladies, they would have like a communal area around their houses would kind of surround it. And in the middle, they would sit there and they prepare foods for the days. For their kids came home from school, husbands came home from work, right? So Jesus is speaking in that day. And he says two, two women will be grinding at the mill. They're making flour. They're making stuff. They're getting ready for dinner. They're baking cakes and donuts for Joel. They're getting all the things ready that they need. But he said, one woman will continue to work and be left behind while the other will go to heaven. And so Jesus says, you must keep watch. How many of us have a watch? How many of us know that it feels like we're bound by time sometimes? Have you ever felt like we're almost like slaves to to mother time, that we have this watch and we have this time. I have to live during the day, I live, breathe, and I work, but at night I sleep. 
so bound by time. Jesus said, keep watch. And what I want to describe to you, and this is exactly why I showed that picture of the lion and the zebra. There's people who are actively watching and looking for Jesus, much like that lion who needed to get food for her family, right? How many of us keep watch for Jesus with the same intentions that that, that lion had in that video? How many of us have that same passion, persistence, and drive? I'm keeping watch for my Lord. I'm keeping watch for my God. I'm ready. Jesus said, be ready all the time. Because if we don't have that same drive, attention, passion, and going after and keeping watch and being ready, then maybe we're not going to hear what God is doing. Is there so much noise in our lives today? Is there so many distractions in our lives today that we don't realize what God currently is doing? For many Christians, COVID has taken us by surprise, right? For many people around the entire world, COVID has taken the world by surprise. But was God shocked? Absolutely not, right? God knew what was going to unfold in the earth. But yet, how many of us still shaken that life has changed? Life is different. Unwilling to adapt. There is a new time. There is a new season. This is a new moment in time in history that we are living. But God wants us to embrace every single thing that we're facing right now so that we can carry this gospel message until the very end. Turn to your neighbor and say, until the very end. God needs us to be driven, ready, watching, willing, and listening. I don't know about you, but I like loud music. And if, you know, if I'm going to turn it on in my car, most of the time I do say it is pretty loud. And I enjoy, it's worship, right? It's 90.1, it's Air One, and I turn it on and it's loud and I'm, and I'm listening and I'm worshiping, except when I'm on the phone. I think life for us sometimes has become such a loud noise that many people are missing what God is saying. You know, when you look at this story, Jesus said, no one will know when I'm coming back, but yet how many men and women are still trying to figure out, I'm going to pinpoint exactly. And I even heard in the last two months, God was going to come back last month, right? How many of us, there are people, pastors, preachers, prophets, all these people who came out and said, God was coming back last month. I hope I made it because I'm still here, right? And you're still here this morning as well. So if he came back, that means that we were left behind and we totally missed it. Or that means that some man or young lady, the prophet or the prophetess, got it wrong. Jesus said, no one will know when I'm coming back. So does he think does he want us then to try and figure it out and spend our hours and days trying to write out and map out this, that, and the other? Or does he really want it to be a surprise so that we have to keep ourselves in check, ready all the time? Sometimes we got to be careful who we listen to, right? Because there's people who probably heard that story, you know, a month ago, six weeks ago that said God was coming back in September. It was like the first weekend in September or second week that God was coming back. But yet we still are here. And how many people got wrapped up in that moment? They got wrapped up in listening to someone who was totally wrong. This could be it. This is it. This is the big day. And yet that weekend came and it passed and nothing happened. 
right? There's so many people, they think that they know God better than sometimes the rest. Jesus said, keep watch. And that watch describing an earnest, a passion, a drive, a desire. Just like if you had to go out and hunt and kill for your food, for your dinner, for your family, for your kids. Your kids are starving. Your spouse starving just a little bit, right? And if you had to go out and you had to catch it, how determined would you be to watch and listen for the thing that you needed to kill for dinner? Keeping watch isn't only a thing in the New Testament, but it's also in the Old Testament. If you have your Bibles, we're going to jump into Isaiah Chapter 56, starting in verse 10. Now as God describes keeping watch in the Old Testament. In verse 56, 10, it says, For the leaders of my people, the Lord's watchmen, his shepherds, blind, ignorant, they're like silent watchdogs that give no warning when danger comes. They love to lie around, sleeping, dreaming, like greedy dogs, never satisfied. They're ignorant shepherds following their own path and intent on personal gain. Verse 12. Come, they say, let's go get some wine. Let's have a little party. Let's all get a little buzz. Then tomorrow we'll do it again and we'll have an even bigger party. And as you look at this, Isaiah 56.10, you know, it describes leaders, watchmen, shepherds, blind, ignorant. And some of us may take a step back this morning and say, okay, God's speaking through Isaiah and he's talking about shepherds. Maybe he's talking about just pastors. So I, it's not me, right? But a watchman is described as someone who's keeping watch for his city, his town, and his people. Are there people in your life God has you responsible for? Are there people in your direct circle that you're responsible, your family, your friends? Yes, all of us have somebody. That makes you a watchman. That makes you accountable to the description of what God is describing through Isaiah. A watchman, a shepherd, not being blind or ignorant. And I'll be honest, I think today that there's many leaders, even in the Christian church today, who are being described in the story, blind and ignorant. No giving any warning to when, when danger is coming. Lying around, sleeping and dreaming. Greedy for success. And believe you me, I want success too. I'm a competitive person. I like to win. I want to succeed. But how many men are out there chasing success more than they're chasing God this morning? Isaiah keeps going on in, uh, sorry, Ezekiel 3, 16. And it says this in Ezekiel to describe a watchman even more. After seven days, the Lord gave me a message and he said, son of man, I've appointed you as a watchman for Israel. Whenever you receive a message from me, warn people immediately. If I warn the wicked saying you are under the penalty of death, but if you fail to deliver the warning, they will die in their sins and I will hold you responsible for their deaths. If you warn them and they refuse to repent, keep on sinning, then they die in their sins. But you have saved yourself because you obeyed me. In verse 20. It says, if righteous people turn away from their righteous behavior and they ignore the obstacles I put in their way, they will die. And if they do not warn them, and if you do not warn them, they will die in their sins and none of their righteous acts will be remembered. And I will hold you responsible for their deaths. But if you warn righteous people not to sin and they listen to you and do not sin, they will live and you will have saved yourself too. 
Very hard description this morning in the Old Testament of what a watchman, what a shepherd, and what keeping watch means. And God describes through Ezekiel there that people taking full responsibility for the message and the gospel of God and Jesus Christ, that he has put us here to warn sinners. And if we don't warn sinners, God says he holds them responsible, us responsible to warn the righteous, people who act righteous, but they're not living righteously and they turn away from God and to warn even them. And if they do not turn, but we warn them, then he says he doesn't hold us responsible. And this morning, if you take a step back and say, okay, I do have people in my life I'm responsible for. I don't consider myself a pastor, a shepherd, or a watchman, but there are people in my life, family and friends, who are not doing good. Do you warn the people that God has put in your life and sometimes, you know, we drive down the road in Hemet, and you can see it all over the world. Sometimes we look like those, those preachers who stand on the corner, and they're saying, repent and turn of your sins. And they've got like a paragraph that they use every single time. I don't think that's the kind of warning that God wants us to use this morning. I don't think he, he needs us to hold up a billboard, and I'm not saying the people who do it are wrong. But what I am saying is sometimes we plan out what we want to say and do, God usually doesn't work like that. Most of the time it's the Holy Spirit, right? It's fresh, it's new wine, it's exciting. And so how do we warn the people that he's put into our life? How do we warn our family and our friends? How do we warn those closest to us in our circle? How do we be that watchman? How do we be that shepherd for the people that he's put us to be responsible for? Number one is to be the Holy, used by the Holy Spirit. Do we want to see people's lives change? Do we want to see our family and our friends reignited and reconnected to God? We have to pray and seek and see what the Holy Spirit wants to say and do for them. Because I don't know about you, I don't want to be held responsible for withholding the truth. I don't want to be held responsible. If God's put me here to share the message and the gospel of truth, then I want to be faithful, that I want to do my part to make sure that I am sharing the truth. Isaiah does go on, Isaiah 52, 40 says, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Long ago, my people chose to live in Egypt and now they're oppressed by Assyria. What is this, asked the Lord? Why are my people enslaved again? Those who rule them shout, my name is blasphemed all day long. And I will reveal my name to my people, and then they will come to know its power. And then at last they will recognize that I am the one who speaks to them. So many times as people, people seek, unfortunately, to be oppressed and sometimes to be enslaved. The Jewish people, when they went to Egypt the first time, how many of us know they went down there because they needed to? There was a famine in the land. But what happened to them while they were in Egypt? They became slaves, right? And here God describes the picture again. Why do my people always choose to live in oppression? They feel like they're chasing freedom. They feel like they're chasing success. They feel like they're chasing this. And they feel like they're chasing that. But they end up being oppressed and they end up being a slave. He goes on in verse 7 and he says, How beautiful in the mountains are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. Look down at your toes today and your feet and say, you are beautiful. Look at your feet and say, I have beautiful feet. I have beautiful feet because I'm going to be a messenger of good news today. God calls you a messenger of good news. And he says, your feet are beautiful when you're out there being the messenger, bringing good news. The good news of peace, salvation. The news that God is of Israel and he reigns. The watchmen shout and sing with joy because before their very eyes they see the Lord returning to Jerusalem. 
verse 9, it says, Let the ruins of Jerusalem break into joyful song. The Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has demonstrated his holy power. Before the eyes of all the nations, all the ends of the earth will see the victory of our God. And when God is writing this through the prophet here in Isaiah, it's a time in Jerusalem when the walls were broken. When the people were broken, when things were destroyed. And it kind of reminds me of a day and a time that we live in right now. Yes, all of our buildings are pretty much still standing, right? All of our places are still in good shape. But there is a brokenness in our world and our country today. There is a sadness and a loneliness in our country today. There is depression and more anxiety than ever in our world today. Kind of like what's being described here in this story. So as God says to his people... I'm keeping watch over you, but now it's time for you to keep watch over the people I've placed you over. Now it's time for us. You know, as parents, obviously we are watchmen over our kids, right? If God has given you kids, then you are a watchman. You are a person who's over the kids that he's given you to watch, to take care of, to love and to cherish. As we started this thing called On the Front Lines, that is defined as a person who is closest to the enemy. And you think of firemen this morning. You know, most of the time, firemen get to sit, right, in cozy air, air conditioning. Nothing wrong with it, right? But as they're in their, their fire station and they're, they're making sure that their trucks and their fridges are full, most of the time, they're not fighting fires, right? The majority of their time during the year is spent inside. And maybe they're planning and maybe they're preparing for what was what's going to happen when a fire hits. How many of us have seen fires in California, usually almost every single summer, and some of them are just crazy and they just take off. Some that we've seen in Idlewild, right, in Anza, and up here in Northern California, all the way up to Idaho. It is nasty. And to be a firefighter, if you spend your whole life planning and preparing for just one thing, that enemy, which is a fire that takes off out of control, and we thank the firefighters. If our house gets on fire, you will love and cherish the firemen because they are defending and sticking up and fighting that enemy who's trying to take down your house. And you think of, you know, obviously doctors, and most of them out there for the most part are good doctors, right? And when sick people come to the doctors, what is it their job to do? Whatever enemy is fighting your body, what is that job of the doctor to do? It's to fight that enemy, right? To take that enemy. And, and most of the doctors, we love are great doctors. We don't have to go see them every day, right? We don't have to go see the doctor every day. But when you're deathly ill and you need to see a doctor, you appreciate a doctor who takes care of you and helps you deal with that enemy. For our armed forces, you know, for the armed forces out there that have fought for this country, how many, how many years have men fought for this country and women? How many years have been spent giving us and defending and standing for the freedom that we have? We're not in slavery today. We enjoy freedom, but we do because of what they've done for us. We do because we have an army, we have Marines, we have Navy, right? We have the Coast Guard. We have all these people who at any minute, they're ready to stand and defend you. Who at any minute, they're ready to stand and fight for this country, the United States of America. They're ready to stand and fight for who we are and what we believe. Ready to take on any, any enemy. And then you look at Christians this morning. I don't know if you've ever seen this with people, and that's what I love about people because we're so fun. But I know a lot of people who ignore me 95% of the time. But the minute that there's an issue, the minute that there's a struggle, 
You get a phone call or text. Hey, can you pray for me? They want to ignore coming to church. They want to ignore all the things that they're dealing with and struggling with because they're just living life and they're, they're going to banquets, parties, and weddings, right? And then all of a sudden when something happens, they're expecting a Christian brother or sister just to jump in, right? When there's a problem and when the world's coming to an end and when my world's coming to an end and when the enemy I'm facing has become so large, now I got to call and help and I got to call a Christian, Christians today, we're serving the front lines. There is an enemy out there. And that enemy, you know what he's trying to do? He's trying to take you out. The enemy is trying to take you out. He's trying to take your kids out. He's trying to take our Hemet, Seneseno, Val Vista Valley out. The enemy is out there to seek and destroy and take every single thing out that he possibly can. And so what is God asking us to do this morning? Because we as Christians, we as believers, we are serving the front lines of Hemet. And if you think about serving on the front lines for Hemet this morning, if you're on the front line, what's the biggest enemy you face today? If this is your front line, this is where God has placed you in this valley, in this town, in this time, what is the biggest enemy that faces you? What is the biggest enemy that, that stops you maybe from doing and being what God has called you to be? Being a watchman as a guardian, like watching the walls and the towers and looking out. A watchman in the Bible is described as someone who leans forward. A person who lives their life leaning forward, looking, looking in the distance, looking ahead to be observant, to be hold who God is and what he's doing, to spy out, to wait for and to keep the watch. Keeping watch today is one of the greatest things that we have to do to protect ourselves, protect our kids, and protect what God is going, what's going on. You know, and the biggest thing is to understand, if the enemy is coming for you, if the enemy is coming for your kids, if the enemy is coming, who's keeping watch for you? Who keeps watch for you? Who do you allow keep watch for you? You know, they say that, psychiatrists say that you're the average of your five closest friends. You're the average of your five closest friends, or maybe if you don't have friends, right? It's not that we all have to have five friends, but maybe you have five family members. You are the average of the five people who are closest to you. The average of the five closest people. There's a saying out there, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show me who you hang out with. Show me what you listen to. Show me what you watch. Show me who you talk to for advice. Show me what you Google for advice. Show me the things that you're Googling, that you're watching, that you're talking to. And that is what is driving you to be who you're going to be tomorrow. But is it stopping us from being what God is calling us to do today? Are our five closest friends, are our five closest people in our circle... Are they being a distraction? Are they the five people that God would have in your circle? Are they the five people that God would want closest to you? If you're the average of the five closest people, are they five godly people who are inspiring you, motivating you, helping keep watch for you, ready to hold you up if you're ever down? Are they pushing you to do right every single day? Because I don't know about you, we as Christians have to be here for 
one another. We must keep watch for each other. We must keep watch for our kids. And there's things sometimes that we don't see, we don't catch, and our kids get knocked out because we didn't see it. We didn't hear it coming. There's things in our friends. How many of us have friends that all of a sudden life is so good and life is so great and then next thing you know some great enemy comes and knocks them out. Because no one kept watch for them. Who's God put in your life for you to keep watch of? Who's God put in your circle to keep watch of? I got one last verse and we're going to close and pray. Daniel, see if you can come back up. Psalms 121, starting in verse 1, and it says this, such a beautiful psalm. It says, I look to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers, never sleeps. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protection and shade. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. And if you can stand with me, stand with me as we're going to close and pray. If you're able to stand, if not, that's okay. But such a beautiful psalm as it describes, God is out there. God is your protection. God watches over you day and night. God is your protective shade. God does not want any evil, any harm to come close to you. God is here watching over your life, wherever you come and wherever you go. So the psalmist says, where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord. And as we close and pray this morning, what is God asking us to do? As we're battling, you know, COVID still, as we're battling Delta still, as we're battling evil out there still, what is he asking us to do this morning? What is our greatest enemy that we're facing? What is the greatest enemy that our friends are facing? But at the same time, what is the greatest distraction? What is the loudest noise in my life that's stopping me? from hearing the voice of God? What is the greatest noise and what is the greatest distraction that's stopping me from keep watch, from keeping watch? What is stopping me from being like that hungry lion for God? You are a mighty Christian and you are a mighty warrior. And for all of us in here as we leave today, just go out and act like the mighty Christian you are. God's given you victory. God's given you hope. God's given you the power in every single thing that you need to go out there and to be victorious. All we have to do is surrender and say, God, use me. God, use me today. Use me to be like that lion, mighty son and daughter for you.